Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So last week we talked a bit about election polling as it pertains to the U.S. election, but I remember you mentioning that you had some interesting things to say as it pertains to something else. Oh, well, yeah. So I was thinking about um, the Brexit vote that was taken, I guess, maybe a month ago or so now at this point. And that was, you know, a kind of interesting point of contrast. It was, again, another big national election. And there's sort of the reputation that the polls failed in that one. So I think it's interesting and it's worth unpacking. Just over the pond, you are listening to Linear Digressions. Yeah, so just to quickly recap in case you live under a rock and somehow missed it. So Brexit was a referendum that was run in uh, in the UK uh, about a month ago. And the question was whether the UK was going to remain part of the European Union or decide to leave. And there was, um, you know, this big national referendum that was taken. And until even the day of the vote, um, most of the most of the predictions were saying that they thought it was going to be close, but that they thought that the um, the Remain faction was going to win out, and that uh, the UK would decide to stay in the EU, and that is not what happened. Um, yes, that's not leave what actually won. Yeah, and so all these people are like, "What happened?" Like, also, how much did Leave win by? Was it significant or was it really, really close? I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean by significant or really, really close. I think it was something like 42 to, or 48 to 52. So I would say that's fairly close, but not so close that it was like, you know, 2000 election, you know, Palm Beach County, Florida, sort of close. Um, You know, we're still talking about like, also, I think it's funny to, also, I think it's funny to talk about it as, was it significant? Well, yes, it was significant because you know, one side won and one side lost, you know? Well, yeah. And there's so, also the, the issue of like statistical significance, which right. can, can be like easy to confuse whether if somebody says st- significant, it depends on if they're talking about a statistical result or they're just kind of using it heuristically as like, yeah. this is important or whatever. So I should uh, watch my language. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's kind of interesting. So There are a few things that I think are interesting to unpack about the Brexit poll. And the first one has to do with statistical significance. So they have these projections of, you know, we were talking a little bit about polls in the last episode and how it might say something like, we'll take the case of Brexit. They said 51% uh, um, uh, expectation that we have for what's the vote share that, that Remain is going to get. So we think Remain is going to win but the margin of error on that is let's say three percentage points so so what does that actually mean um and usually what they mean by those kinds of numbers is it'll be something so that three percentage points will be something like a 90 percent confidence interval and nominally what that usually means and it depends a little bit on exactly what kind of statistic or statistical methods they're using to derive it, but it means something like 90% of the time, if we were to run this election 100 times, 90% of the time it would be between, I guess, 54 and 48. So 51 plus minus three. And sometimes the exact details of that will be a little bit different, but you get the idea. But what it's also saying is that then 10% of the time we would think that the election could be it could be more you know extreme than that like we could be wrong by by more than that and 
Um, and so that 3% just kind of gives you an idea of the uncertainty that's attached to, to the projection that they're making. So first thing is that there's some really good, um, and the number that I just quoted, it was something like 52 plus minus 3% or you know plus minus 4%, depending on the, the kinds of polling sources you were looking at. Um, there's some pretty good analyses about why, instead of thinking about that three or four percentage point error bar, instead of thinking of that as like a 90% confidence interval, it's probably more accurate to think of it as like a 50% confidence interval and that, you know, in fact, there was much more uncertainty about the projections they were making than, than that number would imply, which means that in the case where you have something like 51 plus minus, you know, six or seven, then it means it's wide open and like either it's basically a coin flip at that point, which side is going to win. So we shouldn't be that surprised that leave one if it's a coin flip, right? There's a, mm-hmm. a very healthy chance that that could have happened. So that's the first thing is when we're talking about the significance of some of these projections um, to think about that very carefully because it can mean all kinds of things. The second thing about the Brexit polling is that a lot of these models kind of have a couple components to them. They have what are we seeing in the polls right now? Like if we were to call a thousand people today or 10,000 people today, what are the numbers that we would get versus what have we been seeing for the past weeks and months? And so you can have these longer term trends that happen in weeks and months, but by and large, things usually don't move that quickly. And so having that historical context tends to kind of smooth things out. And when you start to see things that look very different from anything you've seen in the past, very often, you know, that kind of past historical context kicks in a little bit and it says, it says effectively like, okay, we're seeing something different in the polls today relative to what we saw um, last week. And a perfectly plausible explanation for that is that we're just getting some sampling error right now. We're getting some statistical noise. And so let's not get excited here. Chances are that this is just a fluctuation a sampling thing, and it's not actually indicating uh, big changes in public opinion. So I, I have kind of a larger picture question, which is, as a consumer of the end result of all of these statistical analyses, if they have such large uh, error bars, like how, how should I look at these then? I mean, should, should I if the air bars are relatively wide, should I look at it as a coin flip? Or, I mean, definitely the the way that it's reported on is not, oh, it's a coin flip, you know? Yeah, so it really depends on what your source is exactly, because some sources will do a lot of this work for you. Um, so one of the things that, um, that 538 does and the mm-hmm. New York Times does um, I think actually probably a lot of different poll aggregators do at this point is they'll, they'll crunch it all and they'll turn it into a number or something like 75% of the time we think, you know, given the numbers we're seeing right now, like 75% chance our model is giving us that, you know, it's going to go for remain in, in the, um, when the, when the votes are actually counted. Right, for breakfast. And so then that's a fairly simple thing to interpret, obviously. Like, everybody sort of understands what 75% means, or at least, hypothetically, they could. Yeah. Um, it can sometimes Even, be a little bit hard to understand, like, small probability events. Uh, we're not very right. good at intuitively understanding them, but right. anyway. It's like 75 plus or minus even 5%. 
like I can can I can turn that into the word probably. Yeah, so that's saying that if we were to run the Brexit election a hundred times, we would expect the seventy five of them, you would see leave winning or right. remain winning. I don't. It doesn't even really Wait, matter. You, yeah. Yeah. Don't. For the sake of argument. Um, and then, of course, like, if you were to actually run the election 100 times because you had some kind of, like, magical thing, then you might see exactly 75 break one way and 25% the other way. But you could start to get sampling that, um, you know, sampling effects in that. And you might actually see something that's, like, 73-27 or 78-22. And, and those mm. would be perfectly perfectly sensible things to see as well. So you're right that it's there's usually kind of an implicit error bar on those um, those meta predictions, but usually the implicit error bar is not is not reported directly. Usually, the way that it gets incorporated is just if there's really big error bars, if they have really big um, uncertainty on what's going to happen, especially with something like the the American uh, presidential election. Like we've done a lot of presidential elections, we know that like usually all other things being equal, a decent guess is fifty fifty. And so if you have a lot of uncertainty that's coming to you from your polls, it's going to usually what these models do is they have something that's called like reversion to the mean and they tend to just drift back toward 50%, which is basically mm-hmm. saying like, we don't exactly know what's going on. And like, you know, your guess is as good as mine, 50%. Uh, I don't I know. And then the other thing that is worth keeping in mind about um, the Brexit vote and some, you know, some of the other... Um, betting sites that you see sometimes this is another thing that i was reading up on after the um after the brexit vote one of the reasons that people were so surprised by the brexit vote is they actually have very i was about to say very healthy betting markets i don't know the healthy is totally a fair word to use (laughs) yeah but you know robust um active betting markets where you can you can actually go on and bet real money about what the outcome is going to be and so since those are markets they're supposedly subject to market effects that help them hypothetically be more accurate than polls, maybe, if depending on how you think about it. And, you know, thinking exactly about how markets are supposed to have, um, you know, good information in them is sort of a topic all in and of itself. But let me put it this way, that hypothetically, uh, there are reasons why you could think that, that a betting market might have odds that are closer to the true odds than um, than various polls or models or whatever. And the thing about the betting markets was the betting markets were saying, you know, 90% chance that we're going to remain in the EU. Hmm. And that was part of the reason also that people were so surprised was those betting markets were, were way wrong. Um, yeah. And so there's been, a, you know, a decent amount of, of analysis ex post to try to understand what might have been going on. And... It's, you know, I'm not enough of an expert to exactly say, like, I I feel like I understand the underlying mechanics of how some of these things are hypothetically supposed to work, but I also don't understand the details of, like, what kind of psychology of people drives people to participate in these kinds of British betting markets. And I I imagine that a lot of times they might not be betting completely in terms of what they think the actual odds are, but it's kind of speculative or it's it's hedging or people are doing it for fun or there's all kinds of like weird things that could be going on in, in betting markets. And um, so I won't, I won't speculate too much as to exactly the exact dynamics that drive those markets. But 
the the point that I was reading about and that I think is worth keeping in mind mm-hmm. is that, like I said, a lot of times these markets will tend to um, err on the side of thinking that um, that things are 50-50 or that things are going to stay roughly the same as they've always been in the past. They tend to be a little bit conservative, um, not co- conservative in the sense of like Democratic, Republican, like conservative or liberal, liberal. I mean, in the sense of like conservative that they they tend to favor slightly like things just kind of continuing on as they have in the past versus things really getting rocked in a big way in the way that like a leave vote was a was a really big thing. Uh, I see. And so then they become these kind of like self-perpetuating systems where everybody just kind of thinks that there's this conventional wisdom, like, of course, we're never going to leave the EU. And that gets incorporated into um, the kinds of like, that that becomes potentially even just an assumption in the model that we think that Britain really doesn't want to leave. And so we would have to see something very, very strong that's coming to us out of the polls to convince us that that assumption is wrong. But I don't know, maybe that assumption, maybe that assumption is not as strong as, as we think it is, or not as strong as, it, as we've put it into our model to be. And so if we see a poll that says 53% for leave, you know, we might say like, oh, whatever, that's just a fluctuation. I know this because we've, mm-hmm. we've, we've always voted this way in the past, and we're just going to keep doing that. Um, and then when 53% actually shows up on election day, then you were just wrong. <laughs> um, and so this was kind of one of the other things that I think happened with, with the Brexit vote and that, you know, people should be aware of when they're trying to understand how to interpret interpret some of these these forecasts is, you know, they might say something like, well, there's a, a 25% chance of the outcome happening this way. And people are kind of like, oh, yeah, but we've never had anything like that crazy mm-hmm. happen. So, like, I don't think it's really going to happen. So um, human psychology uh, heavily weighting that there's no precedent for this, and so, therefore, it's unlikely. Yeah, and so I think that was another thing that kind of bit people, especially on the Brexit election, because that was just such a strange Yeah, that's a big one. It's, it's not like we've never, we've never elected someone this crazy, or we've never, like, it's not something like that. It's like, this is a country leaving a, a consortium that's kind of big. And it's not something that happens, that, that could conceivably happen every four years, necessarily, either. Linear Digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.